Nothing But The Words, episode number 44, Something Isn't Working. Welcome to Nothing But The Words, the podcast that gives you everything you need to know to write a phenomenal book. Now here's your host, your author coach, Candace L. Davis. Hey there, welcome to Nothing But The Words. I'm your author coach, Candace L. Davis. In this episode, I want to talk a bit about what to do when your book idea or some part of your book isn't working. When I first decided I wanted to commit my free time to writing books, I wasn't really looking for an income. In fact, around that time, I had been convinced by some teachers and mentors that there really was no money in writing, but I still wanted to write. My first goal was to get some of my short stories published. At the time, I wrote literary fiction, and I really wanted to be published in some of the best literary journals. But at that time, I knew I didn't have anything good enough to make the cut. There was really no point in submitting or sending in anything that wasn't going to make it because they don't give feedback. They just say no. So I had to concede at that time that writing on my own, figuring it out for myself, and maybe with the help of some small writing groups online, where most of the people were around the same level of writing that I was, just wasn't working. Now, that didn't mean I had to give up. Instead, I looked for another way. I looked for a better way to accomplish my goal. And I started with fiction writing courses at my local community college. This was the slow way to go about this process, in case you're wondering. It was one class at a time. Eventually, I reached a point where I believed my writing was good enough for those journals, and I started to submit my work, and I received plenty of rejection letters. Actually, letter is a strong word because most of them sent little slips of paper, as if if you took a full sheet of paper and you cut it into about 20 slips that's what they sent. So those were the rejection slips that I got. And they just said, no, thanks, essentially. Occasionally, they would say something nice like, this isn't for us, but send something in the future. At that point, I didn't concede to the idea that maybe my writing wasn't good enough, right? I had to have the discernment to know this wasn't the time to choose a different path. I didn't give up there because I knew I had something of value. I knew this because I had done the work, I had put in the effort, and importantly, I had gotten feedback from mentors who were honest with me about what was good enough and what wasn't. And I had listened to that feedback. I kept going because my work just needed to find the right home. I continued to submit my work and eventually I started to receive a few acceptance letters mixed in with those slips of paper that said no. I received a prestigious writing fellowship, and I won a couple of awards. None of that would have happened if I hadn't conceded early in my writing career to the fact that I needed help, that I could not do it on my own. I don't think I would have gotten very far. On the other hand, if I had conceded to those early rejection letters and said, oh yeah, they're right, I shouldn't be writing, I would never have experienced the success that I do enjoy today. So I might have even given up on my writing altogether which would have led me down a completely different path in my life. In the last few weeks, we have all had the opportunity and cause to think deeply about conceding and what it really means. To surrender or to yield to something does not have to be a bad thing. To admit something is true even after you have fought against it with other people or in your own mind can actually just be 
a sign of maturity. Knowing when to concede is incredibly important when you're writing your book, but it's just as important to understand what to do next once you concede. Conceding that things are not going your way on your writing journey does not mean that you quit. It does not mean that you're unable to write your book. It just means you need to find some other way to reach your goal. Conceding, accepting the truth of what you're dealing with will save you time in the long run. So let's look at three examples of what I'm talking about. The first is when your idea is too small for a book. I almost hesitate to include this because I rarely think an idea is too small. Typically, it's just the way the idea is handled. I don't know about you, but there have been Many times when someone has told me, hey, I'm an author, I wrote a book and handed me something that was a scant 50 or maybe 70 pages. Now, don't get me wrong. There are great books out there. I have one on my nightstand right now. I'll tell you about it later that are quite short, but that's because they were designed to be that short, not because the author ran out of things to say. I recently spoke with someone who told me they believed Any expert should be able to write a book in a course of three hours. Three hours. Okay, a book you crank out in three hours is not the type of book that I coach my clients to write. If that's your style, cool, but I'm definitely not the coach for you. Even a great tech manual, a great how-to book should take you more than three hours to write. If you just want to write a book to say that you did so you can put author on your resume, on your speaker sheet, on your social media profiles, There's nothing wrong with that, that if that's your thing, that's up to you. But I coach my clients to write to a higher level and to a higher purpose. I coach my clients to write timeless authority pieces that can stand next to the books that come from traditional publishers. Typically, that's going to take, typically, not always, but typically, that's going to take more than 75 pages. If your book is coming out much too short, you might need to concede that the idea you're working with isn't big enough for a whole book. Now that can be resolved. It doesn't mean you have to toss out your idea. It just means you have to recognize this is what you're dealing with. That can be resolved by tying your idea to something bigger. When my clients don't have enough content, we look for ways to connect what they do have to something else that matters to their readers. Concede that you don't have enough content, connect your idea to a larger issue or to related ideas, and you will produce a great book. I talk more about that in episode 19. So if you're wondering how to write bigger, check out that episode. At the other end of the spectrum, you may need to concede that you have way too much content for your book. Listen, if you're like most people, you have tons of knowledge and wisdom and lots of inspiring stories to share. I don't doubt that for a minute. But if your outline is bloated, if you have a 20 page outline, and I'm talking an outline, like you haven't written content in it, it's 20 pages. Or if your manuscript is over 100,000 words, You need to give some serious thought to cutting. You may need to concede that everything that you've included does not need to be included or may need to be in a second book. Of course, it's much easier to do this cutting if you catch it at the outline stage, which is why it's helpful to have a coach or a knowledgeable author or editor give you feedback on your outline. But don't be afraid to cut after you've written. In order to do that, though, you have to concede that your manuscript is too long. You have to concede that you're going to have to do this cutting and then just do it. Some of my clients have cut as much as a whole third of their manuscripts, but they will tell you, and I will agree, that at the end of the day, their book was much better for having done that cutting. If you're in that position, 
I give some specific steps for cutting effectively in episode 36, but you have to first recognize and accept that that's what you need to do. The last area in which I would encourage all authors to concede when they need to, and I think we all need to, is to recognize when you need help with your book. I started this episode by sharing how I had to concede that I needed help when I wanted to get my writing published. So many of us have big dreams for our books. We see authors out there and they're publishing bestsellers. They're getting glowing reviews from important book critics. They're on talk shows and radio shows and getting interviewed for big publications and on the best podcasts. And it looks like they're doing it all on their own. They don't talk about their editors most of the time. They don't talk about their co-writers or ghostwriters often. They don't talk about the coaches. Not saying that for every author, and I'm not saying they're required to. It's just that we don't see it. It looks like they're doing it all on their own. It looks like they wrote this wonderful book in absolute solitude and released it to the world. But the truth is that if they wrote phenomenal books... Those authors almost always, and I would venture to say always, (laughs) there may be an exception, but they are few, got help along the way. Some of them, first of all, spent years studying the craft of writing. If they published traditionally through one of the publishing companies, they were assigned an editor who worked with them to make the book the best it could be from idea to outline to structure to the words on the page. That's not working alone. That's part of the publishing process. If they had a great agent, the agents that I've worked with have given fantastic feedback to their authors on their books from the beginning to the end. And if the author self-published a phenomenal book, there's an incredibly high probability that they had help along the way. They worked with a coach to help them refine their stories, develop their models, structure the book in a way that would appeal to their readers. They worked with a professional editor who made their words really shine on the page and made sure the structure flowed from one chapter to the next. One of my mentors sold her book to a publisher who told her it would be the very first book they published that they would not make a single change to. They didn't want to change one word or move one comma. Now, in case you haven't dealt with the traditional publishing world very much, that is highly unusual. They have editors for a reason. They're highly trained, highly skilled editors who will go through and really scrub your manuscript. And in this case, they found nothing to scrub. This sounds like an amazing feat, right? How did she pull this off? It sounds amazing, and it is. But you also have to realize that she had worked with a paid mentor for 10 years to help her take her writing to that level. She had workshopped every single page with her writing group a group, by the way, of incredibly gifted writers, serious authors, and it had already gotten that level of attention before it ever reached her publisher and the publisher's editors. So what they saw as a remarkable feat, and it was, was still not a solo job. So when you're reading your favorite guru's book or the latest project from your favorite novelist, keep in mind that they had help to produce that work. They did not do it on their own. That's not to say that they're not talented or that they don't have a gift for writing or that they don't put the work in. I'm sure they do. It is to say that the best books are written as an act of collaboration. If you've wanted to write a book for months or years, but you haven't gotten started, if you start off well, but you're stuck in the middle of your book, or if you know you could write an even better book than the one you're currently producing, 
I invite you to concede. Concede that you're human, just like those best-selling, award-winning, talk show circuit-appearing authors are. Those people you look up to also get help. Find the help that fits your budget. Take a class. Hire a coach. Work with a professional editor. And I insist on that last one. If you can't pay for anything else in this process, work with a professional editor. Accept that if you have fallen for the myth that writing is this solo act that great authors do all alone and never get any help with, accept that that's a myth. Accept that writing a phenomenal book almost always, and I would say always, requires help. And then just get the kind of help that you need. Figure out what you need to make your book the very best it can be. That's it for this episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, I would ask you to share it with someone you know who wants to write a book. My goal with Nothing But The Words is to offer anyone who wants to write a great book all the tools and resources they need to do it. So don't keep it to yourself. Thanks for listening to Nothing But The Words. I'm your author coach, Candace L. Davis, and I'll see you next time.